You're listening to the Hello DTC Show presented by Beaconstack, a show where champions from consumer brands reveal their secret sauce for growth. This is where the best DTC stories are narrated from one successful brand to another. and thanks for listening to the Hello DTC podcast. I'm Monica and I work with Beaconstack, a solution built for CPG brands to connect their physical commerce with their digital worlds. In this episode of Hello DTC, I spoke to Chris Mead, co-founder and CMO of Crossnet. He started Crossnet as a sporting goods CPG brand. But the way he has shaped the brand is nothing short of a leading lifestyle brand. He's one of the youngest and sharpest minds in the CPG space, and I had a great time chatting with him. We discussed ways of getting the first 100 customers, using video marketing to reach more people, the singular way of staying ahead of competition, and the most interesting bit, how Amazon fits into their DTC strategy. I absolutely love their product and also their marketing, both of which are fun and extremely strategic. Let's get started. Hey, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. So so you've built this fun product, set such a high benchmark for sports companies, and CrossNet recently got recognized as one of the Forbes 30, uh, 30 under 30 uh, sports companies. And that's fantastic. But before we get to discussing the journey of the brand, could you give us a 30,000 foot view of CrossNet and, and what your current market looks like? Yeah, happy to. So about four years ago in 2017, uh, me and my brother and our friend were sitting on the couch and we just wrote down a bunch of ideas of a product we could invent. And four-way volleyball was one of the ideas that we wrote down. And we said, why not us? None of us were volleyball players. None of us were really into, well, I mean, we were into sports growing up, but not like competitive D1 athletes or going to the NBA. But we said, why not us? So we, we bought two prototypes, we rigged it up, and we made a prototype in our backyard. And four years later, we've sold over 100,000 across the world. We're sold in almost all the big box retailers in the United States and probably the fastest growing sporting goods game in the entire planet. Wow, that's that's incredible. And and, I, and I'm just thinking for a product like this, which is totally new, it's, it's innovative. The category itself did not exist. What did the first 10 sales look like for you? The first 10 sales. Um, so the first thing we did was we took all of the money that we had in our bank account, we got 100 units. Uh, we got 100 units, we moved to Florida. Uh, we grew up on a farm in Connecticut. And we moved to Florida and we went to the beach every day. And you would be there on vacation with your family. We'd ask you to come play, you'd have fun. And then we'd sell you the net for $100 or $50 or whatever it was to, to pay our gas and our lunch bill. And that's the first 10 sales. And then you would take it back home and you would play. And then people would start buying from your town. And then 10 sales turned into 100 and turned into 1,000. Wow. So it's, it's more like a show rather than tell, which is, which is the most amazing sales hack, plus, plus social proof. Yep, exactly. 
Awesome. So, so is it right to assume that the first ten, like you said, uh, brought in the next ten, and and that's how you kept getting the maybe the first hundred customers? Yeah, that, I mean that's still how we get customers to the day. Like we literally rented out a beach house in San Diego just to set up cross nets outside. We knew that thousands of people walked by every day. We rented the house for a thousand dollars, and we set up five cross nets. Now you're having hundreds of thousands of people a week look at the cross net every day, and then they go by. So yeah, that's exactly what happened, uh, and it and continues to happen. That's that's very cool. So, uh, so let's also talk about the pandemic because a lot of businesses have either been positively or negatively impacted by the pandemic. And and during the pandemic, people needed a distraction. I personally set up a badminton court for myself on the terrace because it just helps me distract myself from all the negativity around. And it, and it's also a fun way of you know staying fit. And and I'm guessing uh, for most people that's the case, and and they also took to playing games in indoor environments. So I'm curious if the target audience for you broadened after the pandemic, or did you see like a jump in sales after the pandemic, or during the pandemic actually? Yeah, so we saw a 400% increase in sales. We went to almost selling 400 to 500 a day, which was incredible, uh, but also led to like a massive backorder. So it was a good learning learning time for our company. We had over 20,000 customers back ordered at some point. So super frustrating, but also super fulfilling to know that many people wanted our game. But going back to your point, yeah, the pandemic really made us kind of go back to our roots and be like, there's nothing more important than getting outside for 30 minutes and just breaking a sweat, getting away from technology and having fun. Uh, so it broadened our customer base because more people were interested, but it also allowed us to kind of hone in on these customers are purchasing the most. Let's start creating content around these people. And that ended up being families. Moms and dads are buying for their kid and buying for themselves. She has to go out and get off the, the, the tablets. So, so you said create content for them. So, so what kind of content was this? And, and was this written content, video content? What sort of content? Yeah, most, uh, mostly 15 to 30 second video content just of moms and dads playing in the backyard with their kid. That's what resonates. Uh, as much as you want to see people spiking and having fun and really competitive athletes, uh, at the end of the day, most people are probably like you and, you and I. We like to just have fun, keep the ball alive, have a good time, and go back to our lives, right? That's what most people want, and that's what resonates with most people. And, and then what do you do with those videos? So you create those 15, 20 second videos and, and do you run them as ads on Instagram and, and other social media? Absolutely. So me and you would go out, um, we'd shoot video for an hour, whatever. We'd get five or 10 pieces of content we really like. And then my ad team would create different captions and different parts of the video and run them all. And we'd run them for a week or run them for a few days cut the best one, sorry, cut the, the worst ones, keep the best ones and allocate all that old budget onto the new ones and just double down on like the two top performing videos. And we do that daily at CrossNet. So we'll get, we have athletes come, they send us content on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. And we're just going through the content. What's good, what's bad, throughout the bad ones, keeps putting money on the good ones. So, so I'm just curious. So, so what were the top two kind of ads that you created, and and what are the kind of ads that did not really work? So, <laughs> funny enough, uh, the 
the best performing ads are always the ones that you don't think are going to perform the best. Um, so there's literally a video where we're barely keeping the ball alive. Like we hit it over one time and the person drops the ball, but it gets the most comments. It gets the most likes. It gets the most engagement, which is surprising. Uh, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, some of our other great videos have been like the U S Olympic team playing cross net rallying and hitting the ball really hard. That goes over really well, but sometimes those videos don't work and people don't care to see that. So, uh, but we've all, we've also learned that people have to be using the product with all four people in the net. There's sometimes people shoot ads with like them hitting the ball over it and running under the net that never works well. So you got to use the product somewhat correctly. Got it. Got it. That, that makes sense. So, so it's, it's more like people want to see or they want to resonate with the kind of ad and not uh, so much of the aspirational sort. Exactly. Awesome. And, and uh, so you said that the, the spectrum obviously broadened for you in terms of both number and, and also the user persona. So, so how did that impact your marketing? Yeah, for us, it was more about creating content for different demographics. Uh, before it was, let's just create content for everybody. I make one ad and I show it to somebody who's 12 years old all the way to 90 year olds. Uh, now it's, <clears throat> let's shoot content for moms and dads and only show it to moms and dads on Facebook. Let's shoot content for 21 through 30 year olds and show it to that demo. Uh, so we really got smarter. As we made more money, we're able to do cooler stuff with our content. So before it was one size fits all. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Now it's, this is our family content. This is our grandparent content. This is our physical education content. And we've done that for every platform. Uh, so that's why we're doing that on paid ads. And we're also doing that on email. We have literally filters on email. These are our volleyball players. These are our moms. And then those people get certain emails. So it's it's very interesting that you said grandparents are also a target audience for you. So so where, how do you see the engagement there? Are they on their phones? How do they consume that content? Yeah, phones or iPads. They love phones and iPads, and they're also old school, right? Like if they do put their email in, they're probably not getting as many emails as you and I. So it's that maybe there are three emails that they get a day, and they take the time to look at it. And they may have a more they may have more money than you or I, so a little stashed away, you know. Yeah, that's 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 a very fresh take on it because yeah, a, a lot of brands do ignore that segment, but like you said, I mean they don't receive that many emails. So yeah, that's that's a very smart way of thinking. Yeah, and I think it goes back to our entire value prop as a company is having fun, getting off technology, and just like being a kid again, that demographic and even our parents' demographic, that's all they knew. They didn't know their face glued into their phone. And so when they see brands and products that resonate and make them feel like the old days, they love it. They eat that alive. And I can't blame them. Because I, I hate staring at my phone. I hate being on my laptop 100 hours a day, but got to do it to pay the bills, right? Yeah, and I think it's it's also a, a sort of a habit that we've developed and to be able to get out of that habit of, of just being on the mobile and laptop all the time, it, it always helps to go out, go to your backyard and just play a game. Exactly. And, and I'm also curious because this is a very innovative product and, and, you know, the category itself is not crafted out. It's something that you that you have started in your building. 
So I'm, I'm a little um, confused about the competition aspect. So, so can you talk about uh, the category that you're operating in? Because we've seen a lot of amazing athletic apparel DTC brands, something like the Outdoor Voices and Allbirds. But we've rarely seen sports kits being sold in a DTC model, which is very interesting. And, and it's almost like a blue ocean in terms of competition. But again, competition is, is again a double-edged sword, right? So it, it could also work in your favor because the competitors are already educating people for you. Whereas, I mean, it's, it's always good if you're the first player in the market. So, so how did that work out for you? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, so I always tell people it took four years for us to be an overnight success, right? For the first two years, people didn't really care. It was all about educating getting more nets out into the world. And as more nets get out, more people know the product and now it's become popular. Uh, but we've, we've also seen knockoffs. We've seen competitors come into the market and try to copy us. We knew that day would come. Um, the biggest thing is just to have the best brand, right? Like uh, you mentioned like the Outdoor Voices, the Lululemons, Aloe Yogas of the world. There's knockoff leggings. Uh, my fiance, she buys the $100 leggings. She doesn't buy the $10 leggings because she knows the quality. She knows the brand. And now she's got a reputation to protect, right? She wants to feel good about herself and she wants to wear the best and she deserves it. She works hard. Um, that's how we want our customers to feel at CrossNet. We want them to have the real deal. We are the sport. We are the product. We are the founders of it. You could buy a, a crappy $10 version. Go ahead. It might break. It might not set up properly. And my whole goal as a marketer is to make you feel embarrassed that you bought that one or that your mom got you that. Everyone knows that feeling when you get a gift and it wasn't the right one. Your mom or dad bought you a Christmas gift and you didn't want that one. You wanted the other one that was $5 more. And you're like, you messed up. Like, I know you tried to be good, but you got me the wrong thing. Um, and that's what I really want for CrossNet is like, you need this one. This is the only one that matters because it's the real deal. So, so it's, it's very interesting that you say this. So there are two things that play a part here, right? One is the product quality itself because that, that, is what you're basically talking about and and also the experience so so what steps or what measures do you take to ensure both of these so for product quality um we do have a patent which is great uh so the patent for the four-way volleyball net the people who are creating knockoffs are altering our patent getting around it in a interesting way it's still a patent violation but it's kind of a gray area but our game's constructed so it's safe there's no center pole so when you're diving you're not hurting your shoulder or hitting your head when you're going through the net, which is great. And then the product itself, it's not made of crappy plastic. There's nothing like that. It's, it's metal. It's nice. It's a nice volleyball set. It sets up really quickly. There's great instructions and in, in the rules. We built the rules. We built this sport. Everybody else is just taking our, uh, our instruction manual and hitting copy paste. Like we're the founders of this. So we've had this community. We're airing on ESPN in a few weeks. So like we're really building the sport out. We're in 10,000 schools right now. So kids are learning how to play cross net in their gym classes growing up. So the whole thing is about how do we be here for the long haul? Basketball is not going anywhere. Baseball, cricket, they're all sports until we're dead, until our children are playing. Uh, that's what I want cross net to be. Yeah. And I'm sure it's, it's, it's almost getting there. It's, it's already getting so famous. And, and and what about the user experience? So how do you how do you um, how do you kind of 
maintain that experience for you know anyone who's coming new versus you know someone who's coming back to buy one for uh, their brother or their little ones or or someone else yeah so user experience is super important to us because like i like i mentioned if you're not playing the game correctly you're not going to be a good marketer for that next customer so it's super important that you know how to play correctly and you're having fun so that starts with the product packaging inside the game do you have everything you know how to play is there an easy way to contact us we have a 24/7 like helpline to answer questions about the rules on the website are the rules specific enough are there tutorials does it help you and then on on the email side are we educating you enough are we prompting you to get out are we asking you to come to tournaments so it's a full 360 are we keeping you engaged do you know how to play when you are engaged and are we getting you to come back when we're dropping new products or new releases and stuff like that so it's a lot of work uh it's been about 3 years in the running things are far from perfect we try to improve every day uh but it's just making small in, in, like improvements every day that's important so so you mentioned that um you're also sending content over email so are these sort of newsletters that you send on a, a weekly or monthly basis Yeah so we have uh we have two things they're called flows and in campaigns flows are automated templates that go out uh those will be more informational right so let's pretend you buy across net now you'll get a confirmation email that says thank you 5 7 days later uh depending on when we ship the product I'll be like hey here's how you go set it up here's how you play here's the rules go have fun 2 days later did you get content if so send us some content and we'll give you $10 back on your order So ways to motivate them to take content. Hey, we have a tournament out in San Diego. Come fly out. So those are all kind of like templated things. And then on a campaign basis, we'll do stuff like, oh, $50 flash sale for 1 hour. So those are other ways to kind of engage. But those are more one-offs. So yeah, so so the first one is more like an onboarding series where you get people to use it and then give you some sort of a review or a user-generated content. and the other is is more of a ongoing nurturing process right exactly Tr- more transactional and and um, so so how many of these do you see on a, a weekly basis so how many people actually take the effort of you know shooting videos clicking pictures and putting it on social media <laughs> there's so many yeah uh if you look at our instagram dms it's just like every 20 minutes somebody's tagging or writing to us asking to create content The best thing we've invested in like as the company has grown our margins have decreased a bit but it's been just constantly putting money into content creation because then we can make that money back through paid ads. So content creation's big. What we've done which I think a lot of brands should do is we've put content creators on retainers rather than doing one-off projects and paying somebody $100 or $500. We say, "Hey, we're going to give you 6 months worth of We're going to pay your bills for 6 months. We're going to give you a 6-month contract. You owe us 6 months worth of deliverables. You get the price down on the negotiation, you get more content, and you build more authentic relationships. So, we've been doing that with a lot of creators lately and it's been working well. And and it it sort of also builds a tribe for you that vouch for you. Exactly. Awesome. So, also the fact that there isn't enough search volumes for for uh these keywords because 
it's it's again uh, like i said a innovative product and a new category so it's it's often a comfort for the marketers when you know there is uh, when there are people searching for what you are building and and then the obvious strategy is write more content optimize your presence i'm not obviously saying it's easy but it's it's certainly straightforward right so um, but but crossnet obviously did not have that advantage so uh, were you also chasing some broader keywords were you looking at something like volleyball or or you know just games in general indoor games were you writing more and more content there to educate people yeah we we've tried to do some stuff with seo uh we hired like an seo agency to kind of help build blog content it didn't work too well to be honest but as time went on we were the first movers in the four way volleyball space you type in four way volleyball right now we come up number 1 we're going to come up for the first million <laughs> results Uh, you type in CrossNet, of course, we're coming up, and we're trying to create more and more content with volleyball, so we keep popping up. Um, it's just a work in progress, as you know. Yeah, and and brand queries are obviously the best kind of search queries because you know they are there to convert and they are searching to convert. So yeah, awesome. And and also um, coming to the second half of of search, which now is Amazon more than Google, and and I was recently reading that. in the us especially amazon has surpassed google as as a product search engine so um, and and i've seen that crossnet does have a strong presence on amazon so how does that fit yeah so how does that fit into your ddc marketing strategy it's tough because we always send traffic directly to our website and we know people are going to bounce to amazon we never send it directly to amazon because it's much harder to track with our pixels and everything so we send to our website knowing that they'll probably drop off to Amazon. We charge for shipping on our website. Uh but the most important thing is that we're running paid ads. Most of the competitors in our space aren't running Facebook ads to their website. They're only stealing traffic from our Amazon pages. So it's inc- important to have a a good listing, run Amazon PPC ads, constantly be watching that to make it better and make improvements that way you're not getting outbidded. Uh and then just making sure you have a quality product. We're we're constantly innovating the product to make it better. and just to really be worth the money so so amazon itself is huge right and and to be able to optimize that listing requires a lot of effort so if if there's someone who's just starting off on amazon and wants to you know top all the search queries related to their categories what are the few things or the top 3 things that they should be doing yeah so what i would do when we started on amazon was try to make 3 or 5 like high quality images for your Amazon listing. Uh learn about Amazon PPC. If you can't do it yourself, you could outsource to like an agency like a freeup.com. You could find somebody to do it pretty affordably. And what I would do is I'd make a list of your keywords. What are your top 25 ways that people are going to find your product and start running Amazon PPC on that. And then as the weeks go on, find out what's profitable and find out what's not profitable. uh for example kind of a, a weird example right but like if you're a makeup company and you're trying to run ads on Kim Kardashian's makeup probably not going to be profitable they're not really looking for yours they're looking for hers so you may find out that it's not going to work we've tried running search terms on our our competitors and we see it's just not competitive like it's cool to have your name there but it may not just be worth the dollars so it's a lot of trial and error but you just start with 25 words outsource it or try to learn it yourself but you need to be doing uh paid acquisition inside of Amazon 
as soon as possible. It was a game changer when we started doing it. Got it, got it. And and also the other part of it, which is um something that I keep talking about with with different growth marketers at at DTC companies. So in the last two to three years, we have seen a lot of DTC brands, for example, Supply and Bird Brand, and also they've joined Nike and Ikea in in pulling out of Amazon. And some of the most common reasons they cite are competing with counterfeit items the algorithm itself and also the lack of access to consumer data and and you also reflected on the same uh, but on the other hand uh, there are also cpg founders who make a case for being on amazon because discovery is one of you know the primary benefits of being on amazon because even if someone's searching for your competitor you pop up and and they at least know about you but can you help me break this down as to which sort of brands or whether brands should be on Amazon or not? Or is there some sort of a, um, you know, check that, okay, if I tick these four checklist items, then I should be on Amazon. Is, is there some sort of a logic? It's tough. I think there's a few things that come down to it is like profitability. Amazon does take a good chunk of your margin, uh, which is, which is tough um, and something that we battle with. Uh, but also the counterfeits, uh, like you talked about, we see that customer, there's like a high ratio. Let's just say for every one customer that we get on our direct to consumer channel, three people will purchase on Amazon. And that clearly shows that people just prefer to shop on Amazon. They're more comfortable. No matter how nice my website is, no matter how beautiful I make it, they trust Amazon more. And I can't blame them because I trust Amazon more. So either I'm going to be where my customer is or they're going to buy the knockoff crossnet. And I don't want them to buy the knockoff crossnet. I don't want anybody to ever buy that. So I have to be there for now. Uh, maybe eventually, if we become one of those household names like a Nike, sure, uh, because they have that trust. For us, we're too early in the beginning stages right now. We've only been around for four years where we're still trying to earn your trust. We're still trying to convince you that we're the real deal. Nike's on another whole level where you know what Nike is and you're going to go to wherever Nike is. Cause I trust Nike. Uh, so I think it all comes down to trust. Like supply is a great brand. I, I know Patrick personally, like it's great. Um, are they at that level of trust that a Nike is? I, I can't speak for that. Um, but for us, I'm sure he's getting a lot more knockoffs than our four way volleyball net is. Yeah. And, and I totally understand what you're saying because I have a similar sort of a behavior. So I, I recently was looking for a mattress for my house and, and Wakefit is a D2C brand that sells mattresses. And I heard about it from one of my friends and, and then I obviously saw YouTube ads. I don't know why, but uh, once I saw those YouTube ads and I had heard great things about the brand, I, I clicked on the ad and I visited the website. And, and because I visited the website, there were retargeting ads everywhere. And, and then, but finally I, I went to Amazon and then I searched for Wakefit mattress and I bought from there. And I know what you mean uh, with respect to trust, but, but there's also, you know, there are times when I discover a product on Amazon, but then I go up, I go and end up buying on, on the brand website because it, it's sort of, um, looks like there are more options on the brand website and there are more personalized options compared to uh you know these bulk purchases from amazon and um there, there's definitely the spilling from one side to the other that i've also kind of noticed but 
is there a way uh, in which you can kind of have the audience come back to your brand website instead of going to amazon that's a good yeah that's a good point that's ex- i've been hearing a lot about that lately is it's important to have like one hero product on amazon build that trust and then have other offerings on your site and we're looking to do that too as we drop new products we want to have products that are direct to consumer only on our shopify website and then have our one hero product we get you sucked in. We make sure you trust us. You have a great time. And then you come back to our website because you feel comfortable with us. Um, that's, ex- that's a great model. And I see the future like heading that way. Yeah, I, I've also seen a lot of them where, you know, you have these packs of six and packs of 12 on Amazon. But if you're looking for, you know, a subscription sort of a thing, or if you're looking for, you know, just getting smaller quantities, you have to go to the brand website and get it. Um, we're running out of time, but uh, I, I just want one last piece of advice for brands who are, you know, in an, in an innovative category, they're new, they're building great products. What's that one piece of advice that you have for them? Just keep going. You got to keep going. It's going to be a long time to build awareness, but each and every day, look for small progress. Did we get more followers? Did more people come to our website? Did our conversion rate go up? Did we make more profit? Um, if you're building a new category, it's just going to take time. The category is not there. You got it. You are the only person that could build it. Uh, so you just gotta, gotta keep going. And it took us two years to like, we didn't pay ourselves for 18 months. It took a long time to become profitable and successful. And now every day it's like a new article comes out, new thing comes out and it just, it, it spirals. Awesome. Yeah, that this, this chat has been quite wonderful. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks a lot for being on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.